text this morning uh, will be brief. I want to use this text as a, um, a precursor, really, to Christmas Eve in the sense that uh, the text that we will spend some time in today uh, kind of points to uh, the, the purpose of Christ's birth. Uh, we've been in the middle of this series uh, called When Justice Came Down as a reminder uh, that Jesus came to accomplish uh, justice and reconciliation on the earth through his birth, through his life, um, and through his death. And we don't often look at it that way, uh, but it's important for us to frame it as such. And so our text be two verses comes from Luke chapter 4, uh, verses 18 and 19. Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. You can just fast forward to verse 18 and 19. All right. So, 18 reads as follows. It says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, he has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I'm going to read it again. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of of the Lord's favor. I'm simply going to title this message today, The Spirit of the Lord is Upon Me. If you're familiar with this text, um, you know that at this point, uh, Jesus is in his hometown in Nazareth, and he is in the temple. Uh, Jesus is in the temple, and at this part in the temple worship with the temple service, uh, Jesus walks to the front and he grabs the scroll, uh, the scroll which reads from the text in Isaiah, which is extremely important in this particular case. Uh, Jesus stands in the front of the temple uh, amongst the temple leaders, the Pharisees, the scribes, the Sadducees, and all the other Jewish leaders. Uh, he unrolls the scroll, and he reads this very important verse. He says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Brothers and sisters, that's the first place that I want to stop when he proclaims the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. If you remember for the past couple of weeks, we've been talking about the importance of the Holy Spirit, and before the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that happens in Acts, uh, that God appointed people uh, with specific tasks with power of the Holy Spirit to do specific things. And so as Jesus is coming home to Nazareth, uh, he is proclaiming that he has been sent by God. Uh, that's an important thing for us to remember because everything that we do um, in the name of God, we should be uh, reminded that we are being sent. We are being sent as representatives of God so that when people see us, uh, the very nature of God's love should be what motivates us to do the things that we do. When we do work in the community, when we pray for folks, when we do life with people, remember that we are being sent. We are being sent. And so Jesus, uh, the first thing that he is proclaiming or that he is identifying with, that as the Son of God, he is being sent to the people. 
And brothers and sisters, I think as we think about being Christ-like, the reminder that we all have is that we are all in our own ways being sent. Uh, Y-Man has been sent to the Lawndale neighborhood. Naperville Covenant has been sent to Naperville. We support missionaries all over the world. They have been sent in the name of God to proclaim the good news. We are being sent. And in those moments when we get tired and in those moments when we feel like the work that we are doing isn't working, remember that we have been sent. Because it can be easy to give up. It can be easy to walk away. When it seems like the work isn't accomplishing what we wanted to accomplish, we can retreat, we can run, we can hide. But when we take our little break and take our breath, we must remember that we are sent. God is sending us. And so Jesus stands there, he unrolls the scroll, and then he is pronouncing that he has been sent. But the second thing he does is this. He says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And here is why that is important, because just as important as being sent, we must be reminded that as we are sent, we are also empowered. That as we are sent, we are also empowered because we can't do things in our own power because we don't have the energy, we don't have the capacity, we're not smart enough, we're not handsome enough, even though I'm close, uh, we don't dress well enough, we don't have the ability to do the things that God wants us to accomplish separate from the Spirit of God. And just like the prophets that God has sent before and the judges that God has sent before and the laws that God has sent before, what Jesus is now proclaiming is that not only is he being sent, but he possesses the Spirit of God. And because of the Spirit of God, he has the ability to do some amazing God-like things. Brothers and sisters, what I want to suggest to us is that we— like Christ, are not only being sent, but we are also empowered by the Holy Spirit to do the work that God is sending us to. That separate from the Holy Spirit, we can accomplish anything that we set out to do, so we must, in every instance, make sure that we are in tune with the Holy Spirit. Now, that seems kind of heady at times, because what does it mean to be in tune to the Holy Spirit? Well, I believe, brothers and sisters, that one of the ways that we can resonate with that concept of the Holy Spirit is listen to the way that God speaks inside of us. Some people like to call it instinct. Some people like to call it that little voice in their head. I believe if you ever watch Tom and Jerry, you would see the episodes where there'd be like the little angel on one shoulder and the devil on the other side, and he'd be trying to decide what he was going to do, and the angel would be saying, no, do this, and trying to point him in the right direction, and the devil would be pulling him in another way. But this is, I like to suggest uh, that the Holy Spirit speaks to us like that inner voice that is pushing us to do what's right, that is pushing us to do what is holy, that is pushing us to do the thing that we know we should do, even though it's hard. And that's part of the mission that we have because we are sent to do some things that are hard and to do some things that if we were left to our own design that we might not be able to do. Uh, because the world tells us that we shouldn't get alone. The world tells us that we shouldn't worship together. The world tells us that we should be concerned about what's happening in our own homes. Uh, we're trying to live the American dream, the house and the car and the white picket fence and the two dogs. 
And if it was a modern day dream, it might be a condo on the uh, golden, was it the golden mile downtown overlooking Soldier Field. But the reality of brothers and sisters of today is that we are called to proclaim the good news that Jesus Christ died on the cross for us and he was raised again so that we can be reconciled to him. And in a world that doesn't believe, in a world that questions everything, in a world where Google has more say in our lives than the Word, our job is even more difficult than it has ever been. But as Jesus stands in front of the temple, for the folks who didn't believe he was who he said he was, for the folks who were trying to do everything that they could to take him down, not only was he proclaiming that he was sent, he was saying, I'm empowered by the Holy Spirit. Church, because we proclaim that we believe in Jesus Christ, we have the power of the Holy Spirit inside us to guide us, to strengthen us, to give us energy when we don't have the energy, to give us the words when we don't have the words, to give us the ability to love and to care those who we wouldn't normally care for. It's a beautiful thing being empowered by the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, but I believe it is an amen moment to know that not only will God call us, but he will equip us. He's not sending us out there without the tools that we need to do the work that he is calling us to do. And brothers and sisters, I believe the thing about the Holy Spirit that many of us ignore is that we have to feed the Holy Spirit that dwells inside of us. I like, I, li- I like to say it like this. The Holy Spirit, uh, I would like to compare to a muscle. And many of us have muscles that do minimal things. As you grow and you eat, your muscles give you the ability to pick up stuff. You notice when your kids start getting a little bit stronger, they can pick up a chair and they can toss balls across the room at you. But there's points when you decide that you want to be a little bit stronger than you were before and you decide I need to do a little bit more intentional work and so maybe I'm going to go to the gym or maybe I'll do some push-ups and some jumping jacks, some things that will enhance the natural strength that you have so that you are stronger than you were without doing anything. I think the Holy Spirit works the same way because we've accepted Jesus Christ, but we can't ignore the relationship that comes after that. What do I mean? We accept Christ, but we still need to find ourselves in a posture of prayer. We, we can't ignore the relationship with God. We can't ignore having conversation with God. We need to pray. We, we need to find ourselves reading and studying Scripture. That, that feeds the Holy Spirit inside of us. We are praying and we are reading Scripture. We need to be a part of the fellowship of believers. We need the community to help make us stronger. These things feed the Holy Spirit. And I would uh, 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 dare to say that if you don't feel uh, the Spirit inside of you as much as you think you should, you're not feeding it the way that you're supposed to. So Jesus stands there and he says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He says, because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor, he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. 
Brothers and sisters, as I was looking at this part of the text, I wondered why we struggle so much to have conversations about justice, why we struggle so much to have conversations about reconciliation, why we struggle so much with this text when it seems like it's a no-brainer, when it seems like proclaiming good news should be something that we are excited about, to proclaiming freedom from the captives should be something that we should rejoice in and recovery of sight for the blind. And I said, well, what, what is it that, 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 why does this text cause so much of a divide? Why does, when we talk about restoration and justice, people get so distant? And I began to say this to myself. I think it's because we never identify ourselves as those in the text who need to be set free. We, we, we never uh, identify ourselves as those who are blind, who need to, our sight recovered. We never identify as those who are oppressed. But brothers and sisters, when I think about what Jesus Christ is proclaiming, this is good news for all of us. Because maybe I'm not in a physical prison, maybe I'm not behind bars, but when I think about the way the world has locked us into this love of capitalism and this love of money that we're often trying to get out of, we need to be set free. <laughs> When I, when I think about the parents who are swiping credit cards and going into debt to make sure that their kids have gifts under the tree, when it has absolutely nothing to do with what this holiday is about, there is some financial bondage that we need to break. There is some customs that need to be broken. There is some hate that needs to be broken. Brothers and sisters, we are captive and we don't even know it. So And so until we allow ourselves to see ourselves in the text, until we allow ourselves to identify in the things that Jesus is proclaiming, we don't see how good news this is. I, I, I can physically see, but Lord, I need you to help me see the hurting people around me. I need you to help me see those who are in need. Lord, I need you to help me see my own blind spots, and I can't do that without the revelation of the Holy Spirit. He is coming to restore sight to the blind. You may be able to see, maybe you have bifocals or trifocals, but you can still see your hand in front of your face, but the sight that God is trying to restore is a sight that lets us see the world that he, the way that he had created it and let him see his creation the way that he created it and let us see the vision and the mission that he has for us. He is coming to restore sight, and I believe that he's coming to restore our trust and belief that the church can do what the church was meant to do. So Jesus here is not only proclaiming that he was sent He's proclaiming that he's empowered by the Holy Spirit. And as he stands there in the temple and he identifies himself as the Messiah, the one who has come to make all of these happen, I believe, brothers and sisters, we need to not only identify as those in the text who need the good news of the gospel, but we also need to identify ourselves as one who has come to help proclaim the good news to those who haven't heard it yet. Brothers and sisters, because I believe that we are here because at some point in our life, we felt the transforming love of Jesus Christ. We felt the power of God in our lives. And now it is our turn for us to take that same love, that same power, that same grace, that same forgiveness, that same heart into a world that is struggling to see the good news for what it is. Jesus. 
comes into the temple and he makes this powerful proclamation. Spirit of the Lord is upon me. But brothers and sisters, the spirit of the Lord is in you. The, the anointing that we've been given through the Holy Spirit doesn't come and go because the mission is ongoing. We know that God anointed those in the Old Testament for specific reasons, brothers and sisters, but our specific reason resonates with us day after day after day after day. It doesn't, it doesn't go away. The work won't be finished until Jesus comes back. And so the Spirit fell on Jesus, but the Spirit of the living God is inside of us. As a matter of fact, it reminds me of that song from The Lion King. Uh, it was made famous by Diana Ross, but it says, He lives in you. He lives in me. He watches over everything. He sees, brothers and sisters, the Spirit of the Lord lives in you. It lives in me. He watches over us. He guides us. He strengthens us. He empowers us. He pushes us. And brothers and sisters, the world can change. The world will be healed. The world will be reconciled. The world will know the love of God if we allow ourselves to live into the Holy Spirit that he has put inside of us. As we make our way to Christmas Eve, as we continue in this season, I want to encourage you to get past the gifts and get past the days off school and to get past those extra vacation days that you get. And after we rest, be reminded that we have an ongoing call because we've been sent. There's a broken world that God wants to redeem to himself. And that everything that we see in scriptures from the time of the first sin until uh, when we, Jesus comes back was all put in place so that that brokenness can be restored. And so God is using you. God is using me. God is using the little children that we saw singing, and God is singing the young men and young women who sang, Mary, did you know? God is using the ushers, and God is using the chili makers, and God is using Let It Be Christmas. God is using Beatles music turned into Jesus music to bring a broken world to himself. Because God loved us so much. The Spirit of the Lord rests in us because we've been empowered and we've been sent. The question is, will you go? Will you respond? Will, will, will you come out of your comfort zone? Will you come out of the things that make you uncomfortable, that make you afraid to share the good news? Bible says if we don't do it, the rocks will cry out. And the old saints in my church will say, well, I don't want no rocks crying out for me because God's been too good to me. God's been too good to my family. And when I sit back and I reflect on what God has done in my life and God has done around me, I can't help but to feel that joy and to share it. Will you go? Will you go? The Spirit of the Lord is upon you to proclaim the good news to the captives. 
will you go? Let's pray.